This week, get to know retired 5th Group Warrant Officer Joe Shakinab in part one of our interview sharing his incredible story. Hear all about what inspired him to serve his country and the advice that was given to him in 5th Group that changed the way he looked at what makes a great Green Beret. All in this episode of Clarksville's Conversation. Joe Shakinab, a long journey to get to Clarksville. Let's just start from the beginning. You didn't grow up here. Where's, where's home for you? Well, no, I didn't grow up here, but I found my way here. Yeah. And, um, and I'm fortunate to say that I found my way here by way of Fort Campbell. Mm-hmm. But I grew up in the Mississippi Delta, um, and that's um, on Highway 61, south of Memphis, about an hour and a half south of Memphis. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a city. I, actually, I was born in a city called Rosedale. Okay. But I actually lived in a city called Mount Bayou, and that's where I went to school. Okay. So that's why I kind of frame it and say I grew up in the Mississippi Delta, mm-hmm. because two cities were involved there. Yeah. Um, but I really got to know one city very, very well, and that's Mount Bayou. Tell us about that city and growing up there. Well, very small, um, very small city. During segregation, believe it or not, it was really a touch point um, in the civil rights movement. Um, a lot of blacks actually rallied to Mount Bayou because mm-hmm. they had voting rights, and it was an all-black city founded by former slaves. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so a lot of significant history uh, with the city of Mount Bayou. Um, some of your best doctors and educators and things like that came there to teach. Um, the schools were all black, um, so every day was actually Black History Month. Uh, wow. We didn't actually have to wait until February. Everything on the walls was just all wow. education. Because, again, you're talking about the founders were, were former slaves. That's incredible. I, I did yes. not know I, the story yes. of this yes. of this town. Yes. I didn't either. I had yes. no clue. Yes. You know, he so, said some of the best educators and doctors come from there. Yes. And, and I know one fantastic soldier that came from there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know anybody? You know I think the, a friend. I have a friend. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I think the gentleman who may be in, in studio with us. So it's got to be interesting growing up. In a town during that time, because it was you were a child of, uh, I would say, the, the 60s. Yes. So you grew up in a town that was founded by African-Americans. Yes. That is this African-American town yes. with business owners and all that. Quite yes. quite different from what the rest of the state yes. and the rest of the country was experiencing at that time. Yes. What yes. an incredible story and I'm sure we could probably go on about the town you grew up in forever oh, but let's this could be this could be like a week or two weeks or a month in itself just talking about you know we, we may need to do that come, and, and yeah, some of the pillars that. of the city um, and some of the architect that still remains there to this day um, because again you're talking about during segregation mm-hmm. it was like a high point but then during integration well a lot of people felt they didn't have to go there because now opportunities were else places yeah. right so yeah. then you've seen a reverse a lot of the talent start leaving. So every year, the population decreases, Mm -hmm. the talent pool, you know, decreases and things like that. But again, you're still holding on to the history, Mm -hmm. right? So you see, so now if you go, you see a lot of history, but it's almost like we're stagnant. Um, And a lot of the elders and and other people are working to try to reverse that, right? Bring it back to the high point in which it used to be. Like you see a lot of small cities and communities, they're wrestling with the leadership, it's wrestling with how do we make it a place where people yeah. come, right? Yeah. Make it a tourist place and things yeah. like that. Well, even a place just for livelihood, for residents. How do we build these different communities and get these people in so you have the tax base and then you have the growth um, that's desired? 
What's wow. something that you, you take with you, having that experience, growing up in a town like that, knowing that most people, uh, most people in this country and most African-Americans didn't have that experience growing right. up. What's something that you took with you from well, growing up in that town? Um, I think um, one of the biggest things, and there were a lot of things, but one of the biggest things was the confidence, right? Because even growing up poor, um, you were so rich uh, mm-hmm. just from the people that were around you. Yeah. You know, I yeah. remember when I was a little boy, I sold the Grit newspaper. Um, I don't know if you all remember the Grit newspaper. No, I don't. Um, it was a little newspaper that a lot of the, the rural communities um, throughout the country, they used to push these newspapers out and little kids sell them. Mm-hmm. So I used to sell these things. But I had liberty to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I had my little sack on my shoulder walking around. Yeah. And elders would actually teach me how to sell. So I would go to someone's house and ring the doorbell and say, sir, I'm, you know, I introduced myself, I'm yeah. Joe, and uh, I'm selling grit newspapers. And they would say, well, so what's, what, why should I buy it? What's good in there? Tell me something good about it. Right? Yeah. And I was like, well, I'm not for sure. Well, you know, you should read this or read that or let me look through it. Mm-hmm. So they actually talked to me and teach me, right? Wow. Um, another good point, um, I was walking one day and I was going through the park, but I was cutting through a lady's yard. Mm-hmm. And her name was Miss Willie C. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. And everyone thought she was just mean, right? Because yeah. she loved to yeah. yell. <laughs> right. And I was walking. I had my head down for no reason. Yeah. And you were hiding. Walking, no, just, just looking at the ground. Just looking at the ground, right? Right. right. And I was walking, and she yelled, boy, get over here. Yeah. And I'm just terrified. Oh, oh man, yeah. I got in oh, trouble, yeah. right? Yeah. And she says, why are you holding your head down? And I said, for no reason, ma'am. And she said, well, don't you ever let me catch you holding your head down again. You have no reason to yeah. hold your head down. You walk with pride. You walk like you somebody. Yeah. And I never forgot that, right? Wow. And my whole picture of her changed. Because yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. now I'm thinking, man, she's not this mean lady. She she's lifting nice. you up. Yeah, she's nice. She actually care about people. Yeah. So then you've got 17-year-old Joe Shakinab yes. holding his head up, walking yes. with pride, yes. straight into the recruiter's office to, to sign up for the Army. Well, I knew I was going to be in the Army well before then because I grew up in the Scouts. Right? Mm-hmm. So a little, yeah. little guy, I was a Cub Scout yeah. and worked my way up to Boy Scout. So my senior year in high school, I was actually the, assault, the assistant scoutmaster. Really? So my, my troop, the troop leader was a Vietnam vet. Okay. So and he coached us, you know, told a lot of the guys, man, you guys be great soldiers, you be this, this, and this. So I was ready. I knew all the knots. I knew all this stuff, right? Yeah. And, you know, like I said, he had me pumped up. So the recruiters, when they come to the school, I had already made my mind up. This is what I'm going to do. You were the easiest recruit ever. The easiest <laughs> recruit, right? I'm fired up. Right? <laughs> yeah. But I had a challenge. Yeah. I had to get my mother's signature because uh, I was 17. 17. Yeah. yeah. So when I mentioned it to her, she wasn't buying it. Right? Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of things you could do. Yeah. You're not going to the Army. Yeah. Right? And now I'm like, man, okay, how do I figure this out? Yeah. Leadership test, right? Uh-huh. I can't get anybody else to sign it because they're not going to sign it. No other is going to sign it for Right. Because then I'm going to be responsible. Right. So I'm practicing, right? Yeah. I'm left-handed. So I'm practicing with my right hand <laughs> how to really try to get this signature. <laughs> at, least, at least decent so it doesn't look like mine. Slam, right? <laughs> you know? So it doesn't look like mine, right? So yeah. I signed this thing in class, right? So I, you know, I tell her about a day before I'm getting ready to leave that, hey, tomorrow I'm going to, you know, leave and I'm going to go into the army. Yeah. You know, so she didn't have a lot of reaction to yeah. figure it out. But that's how I ended up going yeah. to the army. So, so when you, when you, you're, the whole time you're growing up, I'm going in the army, I'm going in the army. Did you know what you wanted to do in the army or did you just know you wanted to be in the army? You knew he wanted to forge his mom's signature. He knew that. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think statute limitations is over on that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I love the outdoors. I love the yeah. woods. I yeah. love, you know, like I said, setting traps because our Boy Scout leader used to yeah. teach us all this yeah. stuff, right? So I knew I was going to be an infantry guy, mm-hmm. but I didn't know a lot about the infantry because there was no internet. Yeah. Right. But I knew, man, infantry was going to be my thing. I'm going to be a fighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm going to go out here and fight, man, and be this war hero, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So in basic, the recruiters came around for Special Forces and Ranger. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, they seen, you know, I was in one of those airborne companies. So mm-hmm. all the guys were infantry. Yeah. And there was a cohort unit. So they were all going, pretty much going to the 82nd. Yeah. You know, airborne. Yeah. Guys. Uh, yeah. But the recruiters came for Special Forces and Rangers. So I volunteered for Ranger. So the fourth platoon was two, the first two squads were Special Forces, and the third and fourth squad were going to be Ranger guys. Yeah. So in our, in our drill sergeant was a Vietnam veteran that was a Ranger yeah. in Vietnam. So again, a very, very hardcore guy. Yeah, oh he yeah. gave special attention to the fourth platoon. Uh-huh. So every day we had special attention. Yes. <laughs> well, it puts you in an advantage because yes. think of all yeah, the knots you can tie is. from. Yes. I mean, here you are. You're a young man who's been in the scouts. You know the outdoors. You know all the knots. You know how to forge a good signature. You are you are right. Ready. You're, you're, you're right. Ready and, and, have, and have confidence, right? Right. Boom. Yes. Confidence. Your head is up constantly. Yes. You don't want that. I'm alert. Right. That woman. You don't want that woman yelling at you. Yes. She could be around any corner Anywhere. at this point. Yeah. So so you go into the Rangers. <laughs> How was how is how is Ranger School? I've heard that 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 could be one heck of a learning experience. Well, but the Ranger School itself is different than being in the Rangers. Right? Yeah, that's just a small component of being in the actual yeah. Ranger unit mm-hmm. because the school is only two months. Okay, you know? whereas that Ranger unit that's every day. Right. Yeah. yeah. And before then, before I went to the Ranger Battalion, I had to go through a program called the Ranger Indoctrination Program, RIP. Okay. And it, exactly what it says, right? Indoctrinates you to be a Ranger. Yeah. Think like a Ranger on the culture of the unit. Um, the type of personalities that are associated with the unit. Um, so a lot of different things, right? So you have to fit a certain profile or a certain model to actually go there and not just make it through the assessment program, mm-hmm. but to actually function there, right, according to their standards because they have their own standards, especially then, well, even now, mm-hmm. they have their own standards. What is, a, what is a way that someone thinks like a ranger that is different than well, just standard operating procedure? Well, for, for one, you know, you have this because you have a ranger creed, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you learn this creed, but you don't just learn to memorize it, but you learn what it means. Mm-hmm. You learn how to live by it. So they teach you how to live by this thing, mm-hmm. right? So that becomes part of you. And even to this day, sometimes I get up and I recite the Ranger Creed and I like yeah. some push-ups, things like that, right? Yeah. Because it's you. Yeah. You know, it never goes away. Mm-hmm. It never dies. Yeah. So when you're talking about training a mindset to perform at a certain level, yeah. well, nobody trains harder than you. Mm-hmm. Right? You volunteered for this. Yeah. Right? So you expect it to perform at this level mm-hmm. all the time mm-hmm. yeah. because you volunteer. The day you don't want to do it, the day you quit, right? Mm-hmm. You, can, you can always quit because you volunteered. Right. But if you're going to be here, then this is the expectation. Right. Mm-hmm. So now you're in an environment where pretty much everyone has an A-type personality. <laughs> yeah. Once again, you indoctrinated. <laughs> right. Nobody trains harder than me. Yeah. Nobody will fight harder than me. Right. Yeah. I will be superior in everything I do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I see. I see the look on your right. face, and I'm taking you serious right now. <laughs> so we're having a draft, and I'm picking Joe as my team captain. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Hey, he he looked at me like. You better do some push-ups. Charlie was just about ready to get down and do push-ups, which he hasn't done in years. Yeah, I almost fell down there. But <laughs> so, 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 Joe, you're in that Ranger uh, battalion, yes. and then at some point, you move from Rangers to Green Berets. Well, it's, it's a funny story um, because 
you know, even growing up, right, I knew I, I wanted to, go, I love school. So mm-hmm. I wanted to go to college, but again, I was growing up poor. Yeah. So I kind of figured out, well, I wasn't going to finish high school and go to college. That just probably didn't, wasn't going to work out for me. Yeah. So that's why I was very attractive and paid attention to the classes from uh, the Scoutmaster. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so you're always in training. Yeah. You're always in class. Yeah. Right. So in the Rangers, I wanted to go to school. So now it's time for me to re-enlist. Mm-hmm. And this is, hey, you're going to re-enlist for six years for another ranger assignment on station. And I was like, no, I want to go to, I want to go to college. So I want to do something that's mm-hmm. going to allow me the opportunity to go to college. Yeah. All right. So I did something very crazy. Right? It didn't really work to a degree, but I did something. Right? Sometimes <laughs> I tried stuff. Really, I did something. It doesn't work. Right? So I said, I'm going to go finance so I can go to college. Yeah. So it's like, dude, you crazy. Finance. Yes, I would go to school all the time. Right? So I volunteered. I re-enlist for finance. Yeah. Right? So I go to the finance school at Fort Ben Harrison, got the leadership award, all this stuff. I'm a bad dude, right? Yeah. And then they <laughs> says, well, we're going to send you to Korea. So I went to Korea. Of yeah. course, now I got a Ranger tab, I'm airborne, all this stuff. Right? Yeah. So no one believes that I'm financed. Uh, they think there's a mistake on my paper. Yeah. Because uh, right? yeah, yeah, remember, yeah. again, this is before internet, before computers. Were right. right. So right. I'm carrying hard copies. And it's like, no, there's a mistake. You're an infantry guy. Yeah. You know, you're a Ranger. Yeah. I, said, I said, no, I'm financed. I'm saying I've been to finance school. Here's my certificate. And my right. Yeah. So they put me in a finance unit, but I never did anything in finance. What? Yeah, he's a ranger. So he's going to run operations. He's running the ranges, yeah, all the yeah. training, all the everything except finance, right? Yeah. So I never learned finance. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like some people I know that went to college to be in finance. Yeah. They didn't they learn finance. Let me, let me tell you what, Joe. There's a whole lot of people that go to school and don't yes. learn anything, period. Do you think so, that, what is the percentage you think? Of rangers in the finances. Very, very slim. Yeah, very slim. Yeah, yeah it's very slim. So, so you're in Korea. But I went to the Korean ranger school. Yeah. So I went to that school, and I probably still have little pebbles of sand. Uh, <laughs> I used to, to call my elbows. Yeah. Seems like yeah. all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah. So I, I got two ranger courses there. I got the Man. U.S. ranger course, and I got the Korean ranger course. Yeah. So, so I got both of those courses. So, is, so w- is that the point you're in fifth group or you're still no. you're still working your way there? Yeah, so I so I so I leave Korea. I did one year, I left Korea yeah. and I went to Fort Dix. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Again, right? All over again. What are you doing here? So now I see the Sergeant Major and he came out of eighty second. Matter of fact, yeah. he was in hundred first also. Yeah. Yeah. He was eighty second, he was airborne, he was a jump master, and he says, Ranger, what are you doing here? And I said, Sergeant Major, um, finance. He says, No, you're not finance. You need to be at Fort Bragg. <laughs> Mm. He said, you need to be in special forces or you need to be in 80 seconds. You need to be somewhere, but you don't need to be here. So you can't stay here. You got kicked out of finance for being too competent. Twice. Yeah. It sounds like. Yeah, basically, <laughs> twice. So, so he put me on SD, special duty. Yeah. So I started training for like six months. Yeah. You know, I'm pretty much in solitude, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm going on a ruck march every morning for about 10, 15 miles, and I'm training in the even time running. I'm doing these two tasks because I know yeah. you have to do at least two tasks a day to do the special forces selection. Yeah. So I do this stuff, and then I go to the selection course. Well, it was a breeze because I've been trained. Yeah. Know? And plus, I've been operating by myself. Pretty uh-huh. much no friends, right? <laughs> right? I have no friends at this point. Right? I'm just in isolation pretty much because he told me I can't stay there. Right. You're going to leave here. You're going to Fort Bragg. Yeah. And you know that uh, your, your instructors probably saw your file and said, okay, uh, Shakinab, he's coming from finance. Oh, this guy ain't going to make it. And then yeah, you yeah. show up <clears throat> and you just breeze right through it. But of course, then they also, you know, they see the range. They say, okay, well, they learn. They, they take the time. They learn a little bit about you. So yeah. they knew I came from a range of time. Because again, you're going to see other guys yeah. that now you was in the rangers with. Yeah. You're going to run into them. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Right. Finance. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I wanted to be a, a, an 18 Bravo. That's the weapons guy. 
Evan Bravo, which yeah. made sense. But they said, well, your scores um, going to indicate something different, so we're going to put you, make your communications. So you got to learn Morse code. I'm like, Morse code? Who wants to learn Morse code, right? Yeah. I didn't volunteer for this. I'm yeah. not a communications guy. I'm no. a shooter. Yeah. So, but this says Morse code or nothing. So now what I'm doing? I'm knocking it out, right? Because <laughs> our told me, yeah. I'm not going to stay here. I got to go to Fort Bragg. Yeah. So. Right. So I'm doing my best. Yeah. I, you know, do Morse code. I learned that stuff with no problem. And then time for the <laughs> unit assignments and yeah. this as well. Pick your top three. So third of the seventh was in Panama. Okay. Spanish. So I picked mm-hmm. third of the seventh, picked first of the seventh, second of the seventh. All right. So I want to go to seventh group. I want to learn Spanish. They said, no, you have some pretty good scores. We're going to give you a hard language. Yeah. We're giving you Arabic. Yeah. Where am I going? Fifth group. Right. Never yeah. heard of fifth group. So I come to fifth group and I drive up and down 41A and I start crying. I'm like, man, I'm being punished. There's nothing here. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Man. What year is this? would have been much better. This was in 1990. Okay. March of 1990. Yeah. I come here, right? Yeah. 41A was two lanes. There yeah. was no 101st and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Bypass. And I'm like, wow. So, of course, when you, when you, you know, the guys here, they travel to the Middle East all the time in the Horn of Africa. So once I start deploying, well, that was, you know, second nature now, right? Yeah. Now mm-hmm. back into the groove. Yeah. Right? And then the squad, I was, I'm not the squad, but the team I was on, the team sergeant, he was in two range of battalions, first and second. Mm-hmm. So, again, and a lot of the guys on that team came from a range of battalion. So they used to call us the range of squad because pretty much almost mm-hmm. everyone came from yeah. a range of battalion. So I was back in my natural environment, right? Yeah. So, so I got I to gotta go back just yeah. about 30 seconds to what you just said. You learned Arabic, mm-hmm. and every time I'm out at fifth group, whether it's, you know, when I take a group of leadership yes. middle Tennessee or whoever yes. out there, yeah. and, and we got a lot of fifth group guys, I always ask them, please tell us your language specialty yes. and then say something right. in that language. Mm-hmm. Just something. Yes. So yes. here we are. My language special again is Arabic, right? So yep. I said, Kefa Halik, Ya Habibi. Or Kefa Halik, Ya Achi, Or Sadiqi. So I'm saying, How are you, my friend, yeah. my brother, yeah. right? et cetera, right? You know, and, you, when you, and a lot of times, too, the introductions and the dialogue goes for a long time, right? Kefa yeah. Talks, right? How is the weather? Kefa Halik, right? How yeah. is your family, right? So it's always, How is something, right? Yeah. I yeah. just think it's and that fascinating. Goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. They have. I mean, there's so many, so many uh, ladies and gentlemen that are that are in fifth group and all the other uh, right. special forces that learn these languages, and they have continuous training in that. Yeah. I yeah. just find it yes. fascinating because yes. you'll see a guy from from Dover that's in fifth group speaking Arabic, yes. and you're like, "What is going on here?" <laughs> and it's it's truly amazing it, to me. Right. So I always ask that question. Yes. Now, Joe, when you watch movies that take place during the current war times and there's a lot of Arabic being spoken in those movies, do you pick it apart and go like, that's not what they're saying? No, I don't watch a lot of movies. Okay. It's very rare. I watch. I don't even really watch television unless I'm somewhere else, right? Well, you're too busy doing other things. You're doing push-ups and ruck marches. Who's got time for TV? Are you kidding me? I don't do that. I always learn. If you're watching somebody else's story, you're probably never going to have your own. That's a good one. That's a real good one. You've got a fantastic story. I mean, yeah, it's truly amazing. But now I want to tell you a little bit about Arabic, right? And, okay. And why I really sought to become very good at this. Mm-hmm. So one morning after physical training, after we did our running and all this stuff, the company sergeant major was out there. And he was watching, just watching the guys, you know, work out. And he was smoking his little cigar, right? And he was blowing his little, you know, smoke up in the air, little circles. And I went over to him and I said, excuse me, sergeant major, could I ask you a question? He said, sure. So I said, what does it take to be a great Green Beret? All right. And he never looked at me. He just kept smoking. 
Blowing his little circles, because I'm looking at these circles, right? right. Yeah. And, I'm looking, and he's, he finally seems like he paused forever. Yeah. He's just thinking. And he says, well, I'm going to tell you what makes a great special forces guy. He said, because all of you, you know, MFs, love <laughs> to work out and love to shoot. That's all you want to do is waste ammunition. He said, but how many of you can go to our area of operation, mm-hmm. which is the Middle East, yeah. in the Horn of Africa, and speak the target language? Yeah. And yeah. do the works of this country mm-hmm. yeah. without an interpreter. He said, to me, that's a great Green Beret. There you go. That makes so sense. now my whole perception of Special Forces just changed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because now the Sergeant Major saying, well, what makes a great Green Beret is a guy who's very good at language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in the Rangers, again, if everyone is 11 Bravo on those in that platoon, well, I know it makes a great 11 Bravo because we're all 11 Bravo. Right. Yeah. But on a Special Forces team, you have different MOSs. Yeah. Right? You got a weapons guy. You got a communications guy. You got an engineer. You got a medic. You got intel. So yeah. you got a lot of different people. So what makes you great? Who's going to get promoted to yeah. the top? Yeah. Right? yeah. What does the competition look like? So n- knowing the standards. You know, mm. and that's what I tell a lot of people. You have to really know the standards for exceptionalism. Right? Yeah. Mm. When you're in an environment where everybody's great, you're average. Subscribe to Clarksville's Conversation wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on a single conversation.